Good morning and welcome to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be beginning Parshas Emor. Parshas Emor is a parsha with 124 psokim. Our first Aliyah consists of 15 of those psokim running from Perak Chof Aleph, Pasuk Aleph to Tes Vov. The main topic of our Aliyah is the holiness of the Kohanim, of the priests. We learn in the first section of the Aliyah about a regular priest. Emor el HaKohanim b'nei Aaron v'amar alehem. Moshe tells Aaron to tell the other Kohanim. So the first thing is, is the restriction. They cannot become impure. They cannot come into contact with the dead unless it is seven of their close family members. That means to say if a coin's wife, God forbid, father or mother, son or daughter, brother or, um, or sister who um, passes away, they may in that nuclear fashion go and attend their funeral and become involved in the Tomas Mace, the impurity of coming in contact with the dead, that anybody outside of that coin uh, may not. Then we hear about the fact that there are restrictions in terms of shaving their beards, their heads, um, uh, or making any cuts or mutilations on themselves. Why? Because they are holy to Hashem. They're bringing the, the bread of God and they are holy. Um, that's why there's also restrictions as to who a coin can marry. Cannot marry a, a woman who is a zona chalala or isha grusha isha la so a divorcee, a woman who has some sort of question about her lineage, also may not be married to them um, to to a kohen as well. We also hear that there's a more severe punishment for adultery for a bas kohen for the daughter of a kohen. The Enzalia then talks about the kohen hagadol meichov, the kohen who is greater than his brothers. He is anointed with the 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 shemen amishcha with anointing oil. And in this case, he has more severe restrictions in that he is not allowed to become tame, to become impure for even his closest of relatives. He's not allowed to leave the sanctuary. He's not allowed to impurify the sanctuary of Hashem. He's not allowed to marry even an almana, a, um, a widow. There, and there are very great restrictions on the lifestyle of this Kohen God. So a few basic questions. Number one is, is why is this here now? So Rabbi Soloveitchik points out, if you read this in conjunction with the end of Parshas Kedoshim, the end of Kedoshim talks about the importance of the moral life led by Israel to stay in the land of Israel. Part of that involves the way that they are supposed to have sexual moral conduct, the relationships that cannot be had, which is immoral to live in the land of Israel. Um, pursuing, and in a, as we ratchet up the Kedusha, as we ratchet up now a subsection of Israel who have um, extra special holiness, they have extra special laws which re, which relate to who they can marry and the relationships they're involved with as well. So we're moving upwards in the, in that respect. It's in a certain sense we're zoning in on a more specific subgroup of what it means to be holy as well. That's what seems to be the movement over here. Now. You'll notice an interesting point, and that is in the first pasuk in our in our aliyah, there is a repetition, which is Hashem el Moshe emor el hakohanim b'nei Aaron. Moshe is told to tell the priests, the children of Aaron, va'marta alehem, and tell them. The word emor therefore is repeated emor va'marta. Very famous question. Rashi addresses this, and Rashi says that the reason is is to tell the elders to teach the youngers, to tell the elders to teach the youngers. Now the interesting thing about this, the question that one could ask about this is that there are a number of other in, uh, instances in the Torah where the elders have, have, have to warn and to remind the younger generation, those who are not yet bar b'nei those who are not yet obligated of these obligations. So 
And so when it comes to eating shiratsim, um, insects, swear, or, or blood, there are there there are uh, a number of drushes made by Chazal about how the the olders need to tell the youngers. Uh, they need to educate. But there, there's no repetition. It isn't as if there's an extra word, a more of a marta to tell that. What's unique about this case? So um, it is interesting. Rav Sarotskin um, has a very beautiful ob- observation, the Rav of, of Slutsk. Um, and it explained by Rav Nathan Lopez Cordoza has a very beautiful insight into education over here. And that is, is the following, is that um, when it comes to education, um, education is a difficult business in that there are two educational um, influences. There are the parents and there is the street or the, or the, or the, the surrounding, the environment in which the child um, grows up in as well. So it's important, to, first of all, to make sure, to ensure that one is a, one's child is in an environment which reflects one's home. If one's telling the child one thing and then the street or the environment is telling the child another thing, it's very hard for that child to grow up in a coherent fashion. But let's say you have now a Kohen who is being brought up. So a Kohen over here um, is living in, in, a, in an environment which on the one hand is similar to his in the sense that it is Judaism, there's Torah and Mitzvahs hopefully, but on the other hand, there are certain restrictions which, by the nature and the virtue of his hierarchical status, is different to those around him. The other children in school do not have the same restrictions. He may not go to the cemetery. He may not engage in certain relationships. There are certain things that, as this child grows older, will have, there will be more and more restrictions as to what they can or cannot do. Which means to say there is a certain dissonance between those they grow up with, their friends who they live among, and the, and, and the values at home. Uh, as well, which is why the Torah goes out of its way over here and more of a martyr to, t- to tell the Kohanim that their educational task is even more challenging than the regular educational task in that there is an element of personal distinctiveness and there's an element of communal awareness as well. Both of those need to be emphasized. This is, this is certainly true in many of our situations where sometimes we're in environments which are adverse or perhaps somewhat different or they're children with different, different values to our own and how important it is to be able to make sure that our children appreciate their uniqueness and their space and place and their responsibility. Now, another question is, is the, 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 the myths over here of not cutting themselves or pulling out their hair um, that seems to be a mitzvah which is apl- applied to Israel as a whole as well. So Rashi says that is true, but there are the, the fact that it's repeated here by the Kohanim, it's repeated in a different way, which um, that different way is actually um, a lesson in how it's done um, um, universally as well. So as an example, over here it says it's Rosh Hashanah, you from, so it talks, it talks about that, that the hair cannot be, the whole head, it cannot be, uh, um, it cannot be made, um, bald, and that is an extra detail which we do not have when it was said by the rest of Israel as well. So these two mitzvahs inter- interplay with each other as well. Now, what is the mitzvah of Vekidash Toy to make him holy? That's what is said in the middle of Aliyah. Rashi says that it refers to certain practices that we are expected to give respect to Kohanim above others. So, as an example, if the, if people are sitting down for a zimun for benching, the coin is expected to be offered the zivon first. Um, we let, we let him wash his hands first. There's numerous things where a coin gets precedence. In fact, in the last Mishnah in Horios, there is a, a whole hierarchy about who one saves first, who one um, who one returns the lost objects to first. There, a lot of this plays into it as well. It is worthwhile noting that in that Mishnah in Horios, it does describe that if you have 
a mamzer who has a Talmud Chacham. So a person who's, we'll call it, you know, Yechus status is compromised somewhat, but they are a Talmud Chacham, they are a wise sage, they would still precede the person who is a Kohen, who is an Amar, it's a priest who is in ignoramus. So there is an element of meritocracy even within the framework of hierarchy as well. It's worthwhile noting, Rav Hirsch points out, that the coin's restrictions over here are all outside of the Mishkan restrictions. So, for instance, who he marries, how he mourns, his haircutting, these are all how he lives his life. Which means that the coin's unique Kedusha is not as a function of the fact that, this, that when he serves inside the Migdash, he has certain restrictions. It's rather because he serves in the Migdash that affects the way he lives his life outside of it as well. The real aspect of Judaism is that it's not just about being in church on Sunday and then we can do whatever we else, wherever we, uh, else we want it to be. In to understanding this, Rav Hirsch understands that in order for the Kohen to act as a Kohen, it needs to be wherever he lives. In fact, the word Kohen, he says, is related to the word Kivun, which means direction. A Kohen is a person who lives a directed moral life. He is a compass to those around him. And for that to be true, it's how he lives his day-to-day -day life, more than even the way he lives in the sanctuary, which is more of a limited scope of what uh, he actually does during his year. Now, why is the Kohen God more severe than that than the, than the regular Kohen? Why can it not even be for it, uh, make himself impure for his own family? So, Rav Salajit points out that it's, 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 if you look at the Psukim in Aralia, it's because he's never supposed to leave the sanctuary. It's, it's, it's not, the rules are not changed for him, it's just he's not allowed to leave. A regular coin is not allowed to do these things inside the base of English either. The coin God simply is not allowed to leave. So, the restriction actually is in the fact that it's almost as if he is always in the sanctuary, and that's why these laws govern him as well. Rabbi Bachaya points out when the when we describe our coin, our it doesn't just mean to say it's descriptive; it could also mean prescriptive. In other words, he's supposed to be he's supposed to be somebody who is um, more elevated than the rest by five different um, matrices: benoi in beauty, bekoach in strength, in in riches, bechachma in wisdom, bechavod and in honor. And the, the, the he goes on to say im ein loy. If he doesn't have some of these qualities to the degree they can, they need to give him those extra qualities as well. They need to need to supplement them because he is meant to be a leader. So with our walking away from Aliyah with the following two difficulties or two two challenges. Number one is is that this Aliyah challenges us on the level of the notion that there is a hierarchy in Kedusha. In a um, multicultural democratic society it's it's very uncomfortable idea of saying that one person is more holy than another person it's a meritocracy everybody can do what they want everybody has in, is entitled to become what they want um, even though that democracy suffers from um, the the currency of money being the bar of access for many things but nonetheless um, the, at least the idea of somebody being more holy is a foreign concept and a concept which we seek to embrace because it is a traditional concept something which is unique and is not going is not appreciated by society around us. But another asset to that is that kedusha reflects a, re a requirement of sacrifice of rights in a society that's governed by rights, where everybody has believes a certain fundamental rights that they have. Nobody's willing to 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 sacrifice those ideas, those ideas, or those rights, or what a person feels is coming to them. In order to get kedusha, the Torah is telling us that the more kedusha there is, the more sacrifice of personal whims there are. You cannot just marry who you want. You cannot just go where you want. You cannot think that your personal experience is going to supersede your station in society. Kedusha comes with a degree of sacrifice. These are two very important lessons to be learned from Aliyah. With this, we cl close the first Aliyah in Pashas. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful.